The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I suppose this is the most famous of all the psalms. Many of you can quote it. Some of you were trying to along with me. But if you're like me, it was very difficult, wasn't it? Because most of us memorize that psalm out of the King James Version. And it's hard not to say he leadeth me beside or he restoreth my soul. And then when we got down to the very end, surely goodness and mercy... NIV says love shall follow me all the days of my life. It's interesting to me that of the 150 psalms, that one in particular has become so beloved by not just Christian people, not just Jewish people, but even people who don't necessarily believe in God, they know. This psalm, it has become one of our favorites. All seem to receive comfort from it. Jesus in John chapter 10 called himself the great shepherd. And in Hebrews chapter 13, the writer there talked about Jesus as the great and good shepherd. Many of the patriarchs of the Old Testament were shepherds, keepers of flocks, Abel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and of course, David. I think one of the things that is sad a little bit about this psalm is that it has been relegated to times of suffering and sorrow. Most of the time when we hear that psalm read, it's at a funeral. In fact, many funeral homes use it As their go-to passage on the back of the little handout that they give at funerals. If the family doesn't have something to go on the back, if the family doesn't have a special verse, it's going to be the 23rd Psalm. And yet we see that this Psalm actually speaks of God's continuous watch over us all the days of our lives. Now, we know that David wrote this psalm. And most of us kind of have this image, or at least had, or have this image, of David when he was a young man, tending the flocks of his father, perhaps sitting on a hillside, overseeing the sheep in the valley below or in the meadow below. Maybe it was at night, and he pins this psalm. Maybe it was in the daytime. As the sheep were beginning to settle down 
And he pins this psalm. It's interesting though that most Bible scholars. Of which I'm not one but I read them. Most Bible scholars conclude that this is not when this psalm was written. That this psalm was not written by David as a young man or a boy as he was the shepherd overlooking the sheep. But rather rather was written as many of the psalms were much later on in David's life. When he had experienced the green pastures and he had experienced the valley of the shadow of death. And as he looked back over his life, he recalled and looked back to his days as the shepherd and how he watched over the sheep. And now he can see how God has watched over and continues to watch over him. So the next time you read this or think about it, don't think about David as a boy. But think about David as an older man. Looking back over his life and realizing what God had done for him. Why does David describe us? And I think we realize that, that if, if Jesus is our shepherd, then we are the sheep. If God is our shepherd, then we are the sheep. Why would God use or David and God use the idea of us being a sheep to describe us? Well, there's a couple reasons. One is, in general, sheep are dumb. Now, I hate to say that. They're also kind of defenseless, you know? I mean, I guess, I guess there could be a, a vicious wild sheep. But that's not the image we get, is it? You know, sheep don't have fangs. Sheep don't really have claws. You don't get the idea. You don't worry about a sheep just, you know, lunging at you and hunting you down and tearing you apart. They're kind of defenseless. That's why they're easy prey. Jesus remind, or excuse me, Peter reminds us that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Who's the whom? If that makes any grammatical sense. We're the whom? We're the defenseless sheep and there is an enemy out there waiting to attack us. And therefore we need a shepherd to protect us. You remember when David, David's father tells him to go and take food to his brothers who are doing battle in the king's army. And he gets there and you remember that that Goliath, the giant of the Philistines, had been taunting the Israelite army day and night and day and night and day and night. And David just cannot believe that nobody has done anything. And David goes to the king and said, I'll go get him. I'll march out against Goliath. (laughs) And Saul looks at him and says, are you kidding me? You're a kid. And David, you know, kind of like I talked about last week about pulling my glasses off. Some of you remember that and those that don't, you know, David, David had a little of me in him. Or maybe I had a little David. I don't know. But this is the king he's talking to. King says, you're a kid. You can't go to battle. Hey, king. The lion came and attacked the sheep. I took him down. The wolf came and attacked the sheep. I took him down, or a bear. It could have been a wolf, but it probably was a bear. 
See, high school kids, this is, you know, you have to know exactly what the Bible says so you can correct me. All right. We talked about that this morning. But in any event, David said, I can get him. I can get him. I protected the sheep when I was a shepherd. And now later in life, David looks back and realizes that God has protected him because sheep are defenseless. They're prone to getting lost. They need constant care and protection. And unlike cattle that are driven, sheep are led. Sheep are led. Which is good and it's bad. Because sheep can be led astray. And so we have to make sure that we are following the good Shepherd. That's the whole point of Jesus in John chapter 10. When he says, the sheep know my voice. They know my voice. They don't listen to the other voices. We got to make sure that we know the voice of Jesus. But there seems to be in this psalm that we love so much, three different settings described here. At three different times, perhaps, in our lives. In the way that the Lord provides for us. The first is... In the pasture and by the still water. And in those times we see that the Lord provides us adequacy. Notice that David starts off, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, you can't have one without the other. I think a lot of us in our lives, we want God to be our shepherd. We want him to provide for us. We want him to protect us. We want him to lead us home to be with him. But we're not so much into the idea of he being our Lord and master and commander. And that means that we have to make him Lord of all of our life. We have to let him lead all of our life. We have to turn all of our life over to him. And when we do that, he has promised to give us those things that we need. It's important to note that the psalm begins with the idea that the Lord provides all that we need in life. Physically, most of the time. Spiritually, all of the time. We must learn to be content. And look around and see all that the Lord has blessed us with. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. You get the the vision. We see the vision of the sheep in the pasture. And the sheep being taken to the water. And the shepherd providing what the sheep needs. God has promised to provide for his children. Now, like I said, I think that 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 means most of the time, the majority of the time, that means physical stuff, food and water and clothes and things like that. Like Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter six. But that's not always the case. 
It's mostly the case, but not always the case. How do I know that? Well, I know that just by going back and reading what Paul said. Paul said, I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to be in need. Things haven't always been exactly right. We are blessed. We in this room are blessed beyond measure. We have more than 90% of the rest of the world. God has blessed this nation. God has blessed us individually. But we do have brothers and sisters in Christ who are faithful Christians who don't have what we have, who are in need, who are hungry, who don't have clean water like we have. But God is still their shepherd. Because even when there may not be the things physically, God has always provided for us in abundance spiritually. That's why Paul said it really doesn't matter what happens in this life. The blessings we have in Christ are greater than all the things that might happen in this life. The image of the green pasture and the still waters are in contrast to the rough and tumble world in which we live. You know, we, we focus so much on the next section. We'll get to that in a minute about, you know, yay though I walk through the valley of the... I think we miss the idea of the green pasture and the quiet waters. Don't we live in a world in which sometimes we just want some green pasture and some quiet water? There is so much turmoil, so much hatred, so much evil, so much going on in this world around us, in our own society, maybe in our own families, in our own lives. And we just need to take a minute like Jesus said, or like God told and said, be still. Be still and know that I am God. You know, there are times in our lives when God may lead us to the green pastures. And we don't even see it. We don't even recognize it. When he leads us to the gentle water. Yeah, it's interesting. The reason I think it says that still water, I think it says gentle water. Sheep, apparently, do not like running water. Because it's dangerous to them. A babbling brook or a river that's streaming. They don't want to get out there in the water. They want a soft, still pool of water. When we went to the Grand Canyon, uh, I convinced my wife. I tried to convince my in-laws it didn't work. But I convinced my wife to take a, a raft trip. But it was a still water raft trip it actually started a little above the grand canyon and it went through very smooth water but it was interesting because as they were taking us to ride on this still water raft in the bus they showed us this movie of death on the river 
And it had pictures of all these boats going down the Grand Canyon and crashing and people drowning and dying. And they talked about how many people had drowned and how many people had died and all these different things. And it was just one boat crash after another. And then they expect you to get out and get on there. They about had me convinced this wasn't a good idea. But still water. He can take us to the still water, but as the saying goes, he can't make us drink. It's up to us to appreciate what God has done for us in our lives. He provides rest and refuge and safety. He guides us in the paths of righteousness. He has not left us to wonder what his will is. Wouldn't that be awful? Wouldn't that be awful if God said, I'm going to judge the world one day and you don't know what's right or wrong. You don't know what I'm going to use as a standard. You don't know what I've decided and what, you know, no. He has told us. He has told us exactly what he wants from us. He has given us his word, not just the written word, which is important, but he has given us the living word as an example. His own son, Jesus Christ. So we're not, we're not, you know, like facing a, a, one of those horrible college professors who gives you the pop quiz over something you didn't even know you're supposed to study. I'm sure none of you had any teachers like that. No. God gives us what we need for righteousness. He leads us in those paths. However, we must be willing to follow. But the second setting that is described here, the one that we are the most familiar with, and that is the valley. Yea, though I walk, and I'm going to quote it from the King James. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me now you may not pick up on it in the in the uh, King James language but you probably did but in verse 4 there is a switch in person until a few years ago I'd never really noticed this but I think it's significant the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Thou King James. Notice how he went from he, he, he to you, you, you. That is, that's just interesting to me. David would have gotten an F if this was an English essay. Because you don't switch tense like that. Or person. You don't switch person like that. But I don't think David made a mistake. I think he knew exactly what he is doing. I think it's because when we are in the valley. 
is when we so desperately need to feel close to God. Wouldn't it be easier if we didn't have to go through the valley? Don't we kind of wish that maybe the psalm wrote, Yea, though I approach the valley of the shadow of death, thou leadest me to the other side. Thou guideth me around the valley of the shadow of death. Wouldn't that even make us feel better? Aren't there times in our lives when we wish maybe that that's what it says? But he says, no. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not if, but when. And it may not be death exactly. We're all going to face death. We all face death in others that we love. But the valley of the shadow of death, I believe, is just a metaphor for all the trials in life. Even though I go through difficult times, I'm not going to fear. Because you are with me. You guide me. You see, if we're never in the valley... It's difficult to appreciate the mountaintop. If we never have difficult times, it's difficult to appreciate the green pastures and the quiet waters. It is through the valley that we demonstrate our faith and dependence in God. It's in the valley when we have nothing within ourselves to sustain us that we lean the most on God as our shepherd. When Jesus talked about being the good shepherd, he made the distinction again between the hireling who would flee in the face of danger and said, I will lay down my life for my sheep. And he did it. David says that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Huh. That's interesting, isn't it? Why would a rod and a staff comfort the sheep? Because the rod and the staff were used for protection. They were used to ward off the wild animals and the predators. The staff, maybe with the crook, would be used to to reach out and help the sheep who was in danger and pull him back into the fold. So we see that God is with us in the pasture. God is with us in the valley. And the third setting we see is that God is with us in the fold. The last scene to me is the imagery of the shepherd bringing the sheep into the fold at the close of day. As evening was at hand, the shepherd would count the sheep as they entered. And remember, Jesus' parable of the lost sheep. Ninety-nine were safe. There was one missing. And that wasn't good enough for the shepherd. He went out to find the one that was lost. I've told you this before. There are not many things in my life 
I can't imagine many in which I would not take a 99. You give me any test I ever had in school. You want to give me a 99? I'll take it. Now, some of you out there are just a little OCD. And that wouldn't work. You would fight for that one point. I'd just be so glad that it was above 60 or whatever, 70, you know, that I would take the 99 and not say a word. You know, you say you're going to give me a dollar and you give me 99 cents. Oh, well, it's good enough. I'll take it. Let me ask you this. Your heart surgeon is successful 99 times out of 100. Hmm. One out of every 100 patients die on the table. You know, all of a sudden, that doesn't sound so good. Especially if he's just done 98 and hadn't lost one, you know what I mean? But that one sheep, the shepherd went out and found. You can see the shepherd looking over the sheep as they lay down in the, to rest. God has promised us as his sheep an eternal rest. And that when that time comes, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If we can help or encourage you anyway, we invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas. 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.